0: Well, good morning, second service. Good morning. Happy Sunday to all of you. Uh, speaking of happy Sunday, yesterday morning uh, a friend texted Shauna and I, and uh, she said, Happy Sunday to you. Hope you're having a good day. And I like went into all out panic because I was like, <laughs> It's Sunday? And I'm like, I wasn't even done with the sermon yet. And I'm like panicking, and I quickly go to my calendar. And I'm like, Oh, it's Saturday. Oh, thank goodness. So, like, freaked me out. But, it sure is great to, to see all you guys here. Uh, man, I sure love my Whitestone family. You guys are, are the best. And speaking about being a family together, wasn't Anniversary Sunday awesome? It was, uh, yeah, it was an amazing day. And I do apologize. I know it ran long. It was like two hours long. You're sitting in the sun, getting sunburnt. But man, it was, uh, it was worth it baptizing 39 people. Wasn't that cool? Yeah, praise God for that. And at least... At least it wasn't the 100-degree day that it was three days before that. Can you imagine? That would have been 800 baptisms going on, you guys, just to (laughs) stay cool. All right, uh, real quick, have you ever um, met any of those families where uh, the wife and the children are dressed really nicely and super dressed up, and the husband just dresses like a slob? Have you ever seen that? (laughs) We got a young couple like that here today and I want them to stand up. Brooke and Mason, could you stand up and, and, and hold your kids up? Just go ahead and stand up where you're at and face, face everyone here. <laughs> Real quick before we get into sermon, I just wanna say I hope you guys don't hold anything against me when my Bears beat your Packers today, so. Mason, it's time for you to switch teams, buddy. I don't know. Nah, no, just joking. All right. Well, if you need a Bible this morning, raise your hand. If you need a pen, hold up a couple fingers. Ushers, we'll get that to you. Well, guys, the fall semester of 2023 is upon us. Uh, as always, man, this year's just flown by. Have you even noticed that? It's just crazy. Summer was like here, and then boom, gone. It's crazy. Uh, but that's the way it is. It just always is like that. But every fall we start a new series that usually takes us up to Thanksgiving. And you know sometimes I, I have like a ton of ideas for what to do in the fall. And I keep asking the Lord what, what does he want me to do. And a lot of times I don't even hear, I don't hear from God what is to be until right before. And then I get super frustrated because I don't have time to prepare for it. Um, and and it, you know it's kind of tough with that. This series, however, I felt like God gave, gave it to me early on in the summer, and uh, I felt like he said, Luke, I want you to focus on my compassion this fall. And so you would think that I'd be all prepared for it because I had all summer to think about it and all summer to work on it, but I'm going to tell you, when you start to look at the compassion of God and everything that's part of it, you are hopping into an ocean that is so big and so vast, you don't even know where to begin. It is crazy. It's a lot like snorkeling. Has any of you guys gone snorkeling before in the ocean around like a coral reef sort of thing? I mean you get you put the glass on, everything looks normal you put it glass, you're like, oh my word, that's awesome. look at that colorful fish, that's amazing. And you turn like, oh my word, there's an even better one. And then the eel goes by, you're like, there's an eel. And you say everywhere you turn, you're like overwhelmed with how awesome it is. And and that's how it is with, with God's compassion. I mean, there are so many directions we could take on this that it's really kind of tough to lay out and plot the course of action for our fall. Plus, I've even learned that even when I do plot out a course uh, you know, for a series, it often changes midstream, and it turns into something entirely different than I had initially thought it was going to be. Like, remember the, the spring series, Piercing the Darkness? That was supposed to be a four-week series. It went 17. So uh, who knows what's going to happen with this one. We'll see. But let's get started. Let's see what God, where God takes us on this one. Uh, the title of this series is going to be The Compassion of God. Hold on, my Siri just kicked on here for some reason. Did I say I'm serious? Yeah, probably kicked on. <laughs> the, the title of this uh, series is going to be <laughs> <laughs> The Compassion of God. Uh, I know I kind of mentioned that we were going to focus on God's mercy, but as I began to kind of dig into it, I began to realize that The mercy of God is part of the compassion of God. So compassion is going to be our main focus. And we will focus on God's mercy, but the main heading will be God's compassion. Now, if you notice, and I know it might be kind of hard to see, uh, but this visual here is the inside of a prison. Okay, And the inside of those prison walls, it's dark and it's gloomy and it's lonely and it's sad. And it's hopeless and depressing, and on and on the words go describing the inside of those prison walls. But on the outside, when you look out that window, it's glorious, it's beautiful, it's colorful, it's vibrant, it's alive. And that's the visual for our series this fall. Now, there's a point to that, and let me explain. You know, when I I first became a pastor here at uh, this church, I was in my late 20s. I was young in my marriage. We had two really little kids Uh, Life, for the most part, was pretty smooth. And I grew up in a a sheltered home, um, and I really hadn't experienced too much darkness in the world, I'm sure it was all around me, I just didn't pay attention to it, didn't see it. Uh, But then I became a youth pastor. I was doing the job that Pastor Jake Andrus is doing now, working with our youth. And and then I got added the responsibility of being the counseling pastor on staff at the time. So here I am, a 29-year-old man, being asked to work with youth, and counsel people who are suffering and going through problems. And I was suddenly hit with the reality of how vicious our enemy is. And day after day, I was meeting with people, young and old, whose lives were being destroyed. The kingdom of darkness was dismantling their lives. Lives were being ruined, marriages being ruined, families being ruined people making decisions that was destroying the people around them and the, the ripple effects of that was just went on and on. And, and guys, I heard stories of evil that shook me to the core. I kept thinking that I'd heard it all. And then I would hear something worse. And, and what I found is that evil promotes more evil. It just kind of spreads. I've noticed that when, when her, hurting people, people who are damaged and hurting, they hurt other people. And then those hurt people will go and hurt other people. And it just continues to spread. It just, you know, evil just keeps going on. And guys, when Jesus says that our enemy has come to steal and to kill and to destroy, let me tell you something, he was not kidding. There were days that I would come home and I would tell Shauna that I don't want to do this anymore. I didn't sign up for this. I hate seeing the pain, I hate seeing the carnage. I wanted to go back to construction and just building houses and and guys, this is the church. This was the church, this is us. My, myself included, don't let me kid you. I was experiencing the enemy in my own life and his deception in my own life. Poor decisions in my life that affected my marriage and, and making mistakes raising my kids and making mistakes in my own personal life, which then affected others as well. I mean, when you look around this room, it is filled with hurting, wounded people. Myself included. We are those hurting, wounded people. Darkness has scarred us. The enemy has stolen from us. He's brought death into our lives. He's brought destruction into our families. And what I'm trying to get us to see is that this prison cell is the picture that depicts many of our lives. This is often where we find ourselves living Our lives are dark and hopeless and helpless, and we live with despair every single day. We wake up with dread and and emptiness inside of us, and regret screams at us and keeps us awake at night. And we're just like, man, if only life were different, if only I had done things differently, if only I, I had made a different choice. For some of us, there are decisions we have made that have literally shifted our whole life, and we sit in the aftermath of that horrible decision, feeling broken and damaged. And we just sit in our prison cell, feeling alone and broken. And we look out that window, and we see a glorious picture. We see beauty, we see joy, we see peace, we see a life of abundance, and yet it doesn't seem attainable. We know that our God is a compassionate God. We know that he's a God of mercy. We know that he's a God of forgiveness. He's a God of restoration and and on and on it goes, but it isn't for us. God may pour out on everyone else, but not me. I screwed up way too bad. I made way too many mistakes. I've ruined way too many lives. My life is way too ruined, way too damaged, way too messed up for me to experience what is on the outside of that window. And we have every excuse for why we can't experience it. We aren't worthy of it. We don't deserve it. We're not good enough. We're not holy enough. We're not pure enough. And you know what the sad part is? Is that we really, really believe that. And so we sit in our prison cells looking at something that we're told that is supposedly available to us, but we don't ever experience it because we don't believe it is. And while we hate this prison cell we live in, we're comfortable with it because it's all we know, and so we remain in it, just looking out our window. So many of us in this room, we feel and experience this on a daily basis. Oh, we go through the motions of the Christian life and we try to put on a good show, but in all honesty, that's what we feel and experience on the inside. Well, my hope is that this series will help us understand that we don't have to live like that. We don't have to remain in our prison cell any longer. When we're able to grasp the compassion of God in all of its capacities, My prayer is that we will start to apprehend these truths and make it a reality in our life. No matter what we've done, no matter how many lives we've ruined, no matter how horrible are the mistakes we've made, either God is bigger than all of that or he isn't. And hopefully it's my prayer that we will find out that he is and we can experience it. And I want us to live and experience the compassion of God in real time in each of our lives. And when we do, I think we will find that prison life will no longer be part of our lives. We'll be set free and it will be life changing. You know, in phase one discipleship, in week two of the class, we mention how important it is for us to get to know God. We talk about how important it is that we get to know God correctly. What we believe about God is the single most important thing about who we are, because what we believe about God directly correlates to how we live our life. Uh, If you notice, so many people think God is a distant God, he's an angry God, he's a vengeful God, he's a detached God, or he's a non-existent God, and on and on it goes, and what they believe about God will then directly affect how they live, it's just the reality of life. And that's, what I, that's why I would like for us to get to know our compassionate God. Because if we get to know our compassionate God, it will affect the way we live. Amen? And I want to start out this morning by reading a verse in the Old Testament that describes our God. It gives us beautiful words describing our God. Check this out. Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. It says this. It says, Yahweh... Yahweh, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. In case you didn't know, Yahweh is one of the names of God. It's one of the most powerful names of God. It means I am that I am. It means I am the self-existent one. I need nothing to exist. And and he's saying I am that I am. It's being described right here as compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. Now, can I get a show of hands of who in this room would want to get to know a God like that? Yeah, I'm with you. He sounds amazing. Now, we're going to come back to that compassionate word part in this verse, but let's look at the rest of this verse first. It says that he is gracious. Our God is gracious. Not sure if you've ever thought about that before, but what does it mean that God is gracious? Well, when you think it through, it's amazing. The Hebrew uh, meaning of the word gracious means so much more than the English word. God being described as gracious is, is a powerful description. I mean, think about it, guys. Every single human on this earth is of lower status than God. I mean, way lower the status than our, than our creator God. And yet, God consistently looks upon humans with favor. God treasures us. He treasures humanity, and because he treasures us, he pours out his favor on us. Now, understand, he doesn't show us favor because we deserve it. Not at all. In fact, the story of the Bible is one that shows us humans as ones who constantly mess up. We lie, we cheat, we steal, we kill. We go out of our way to show God that we don't deserve to be favored. And yet, despite our failings, God is gracious. He pours out his favor on us. He pours out his power. He pours out his goodness. He pours out his beauty in us and on us, doing things for us that we could never do on our own. Our God is gracious. God sees you as his treasure. Think about that. He delights in you. Think about that. And that is all regardless of your status or behavior. That's the truth. He delights in you. You are his treasure. He's a gracious God. That's our God. Now, those of us still sitting in our prison cells, we hear that, but we don't really believe it. That might be true for everyone else, but not for me. I don't really think I'm his treasure. I'm pretty confident he doesn't delight in me. Sitting in our prison, those truths just don't stick. They don't penetrate our minds or hearts. Well, I want you to start to let God's light shine in on that prison cell this morning. And so what we're going to do is as we go through each one of these truths, I want us to pause and just quietly, silently to ourselves, I want you to let that truth sink in because it's true even of you. Let it sink in. So let's very quietly just say these truths to ourselves. I'm going to put it on the screen behind me. God sees me as his treasure. He delights in me regardless of my status or what I've done or haven't done. Go ahead and say that. Just repeat that in your mind. Just say that to yourself because it's true. You know, some of you, you need to meditate on that. All stinking weak and month probably, because the enemy has told you day after day just the opposite, and therefore you sit in your prison cell. Our God is gracious, amen? Let's keep reading, Yahweh, Yahweh, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger. He is slow to anger. Think about that for a second. Talk about an amazing thing for our all-powerful God to be. Slow to anger. Thank goodness for that. Amen? Amen? Have you ever been around someone who was quick to anger? It's not fun, is it? My poor two sons had to be around someone quick to anger this last Saturday. We were starting to build my chicken coop, and uh, we were going to set the posts in concrete sauna tubes and pour the concrete and set it, and we had to plumb it and put braces on it to make it everything was plumb. And so, you know, I'm asking my boys, hey, can you help me? And, of course, they're not like, yeah, Dad, I'd love to. You know, they're like, yeah, I'll go out there. And so just kind of standing. And I'm wanting them to, like, see the job ahead of time, to, like, see ahead what I need. And so they're they're prepared. Instead, I'm having to ask them. And so I'm getting frustrated. And I'm not feeling good. And it's super hot. And I feel like I'm going to pass out. And I'm super crabby. I'm, like, yelling at my kids. I'm like, Why? Caleb, why would you put the water right there? I got to walk across that water every single time. Why don't you put the water over there? Why do I, I don't want to walk in mud. He's like, okay, dad, yeah, I'll put it over there. And so I'm like, oh, grief. Now plumb it. Put, what side do I put on? What do you mean what side do you put it on? We're plumbing this right here. You put it on this side. And I'm like, come on. I'm like, where's the, where'd you put the drill? Why would you put the drill way over there when we're putting right? And I'm freaking out on them <laughs> until we finally finish the job. And suddenly it hits me. Why have I been such a jerk? And so I'm like, boys, I'm really sorry. I, Boy, I was terrible to you. And my boys are like, Dad, why were you so angry? And I'm like, I don't know, but I'm, I'm sorry. Guys, thank goodness God is not like me. Can you imagine? <laughs> now, here's the crazy thing is, we often think he is. We think he's sitting around waiting for us to screw up so he can just pounce on us. We think that he's like me building a coop, just always irritated with what we're doing, how we don't live up to his expectation, just grumpy all the time. We may think like that. We, we may put that on God like he's, that he's like that. But hear me, he most definitely isn't. He is slow to anger. Now, that doesn't mean he won't ever get angry. He will, but it takes a lot to get him there. And thank goodness for that. So let's say that quietly to ourselves this morning. Let's ponder that and let that sink in. If we could, don't rush it, but just say, my God is slow to anger. Let's look at the verse again. Yahweh, Yahweh compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and overflowing with loyal love. Our God is overflowing with loyal love to us, loyal love. Now, we could probably do an entire series on just this, these words right here, but we can't, but I want you to focus on that word loyal. God is loyal. Have you ever had a loyal friend before? a friend where you've hurt them, you've maybe betrayed them, you've done things to them you shouldn't have done, and, and yet they remain loyal to you. They don't give up on you. They don't turn their back on you. They're loyal. I'll tell you, it's a very rare thing to experience, but sometimes people encounter a friendship like that. Well, guys, God is like that to us. He loyally loves us meaning his love isn't conditional on our behavior. It isn't, I love you if you love me. No, he loves us even when we fail him, even when we hurt him, even when we do things we shouldn't be doing. His loyalty to us persists through all of that and he continues to love us. The fact that we have a loyal God is something we should meditate on and cherish deeply. Because when you read the Bible, you will see God's loyalty to his people over and over and over and over again. In spite of their failures, in spite of the mistakes, he remains loyal to them. Our God is a loyal God. Amen? So let's say that quietly to ourselves and let it sink in. My God is loyal to me. He loyally loves me. You may be sitting in your prison thinking God's turned his back on you. He's walked away from you. Well, guys, I'm going to say that is a lie from the pit of hell. Instead, he stands outside that prison saying, I've never left. I'm here. Step out of that prison and experience the loyal love I have for you. Stop resisting it. Stop pushing it away. Stop saying that it doesn't exist. It does. Step out of your prison and experience it. It's there to be experienced. All right, let's look at the last description of God in this verse. It says, Yahweh, Yahweh, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. Our God is overflowing with faithfulness. Our God is faithful. Now, I know that word faithful is a word that we throw around all the time in Christianity. We sing about it, we talk about it, we pray about it, we write about it and read about it, but often we don't really think about what it means. What honestly does God being faithful mean? Well, it's actually pretty simple and yet it's very powerful. God being faithful means God is reliable, He is trustworthy. Faithfulness means reliable. It's like, you know, God is often called a rock in scripture, he's our rock. That means we can step on this rock, we know it's not gonna get mushy on us. It's reliable, that's what he's like. We use that word faithful to like an old car we have, when we say like, man, this old car, she's been faithful to me. What does that mean? We've, like, we've never had a car like that, Luke, so I don't know. <laughs> it means it just keeps running and running, it's reliable. We can trust it. For instance, uh, has anybody ever seen the geyser called Old Faithful? Raise your hand. You've seen that? Awesome. I have not seen it yet. I'd love to sometime. But do you know why it's called Old Faithful? Yeah. It goes off reliably. It faithfully erupts every 60 to 70 minutes for a certain amount of time. So because of that, because it's so reliable, they called it Old Faithful. Faithfulness means reliable. It also means stable. Okay, Have you ever heard someone say, man, that guy is super unstable? What does that mean? It means that he's unpredictable. You can't trust him. He may go off on you at any moment. He's unstable. Well, our God is stable. He's reliable. He's trustworthy. In other words, he's faithful. He's consistent to his nature. You can count on God. And that right there is a crucial thing for us to believe. We can count on God. So let's say that quietly to ourselves, and let's focus on that truth. My God is faithful. He's reliable. He's trustworthy. I can count on him. Go ahead and say that. Don't rush it. Just take your time. Now, God's faithfulness, guys, guess what? It's not depending on you. You don't have to be perfect to be able to count on him or to experience his faithfulness. No, he's faithful in spite of you. So don't let prison thinking keep you from experiencing his incredible faithfulness, okay? Now, notice this verse again. It says, Yahweh, Yahweh, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. See that word? God isn't just loyal in his love. He isn't just faithful. He is overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. Overflowing. You know what overflowing means? It means it just keeps coming and coming and coming and coming, and you can't stop it. I mean, you can't shut it down. And I was trying to think of examples, everyday examples of things that overflow in our lives, but it usually means a bad thing when something overflows in our life. Like when I lived in the old house here in Oconomowoc, I was in the kitchen doing something and my son, who was on the first floor, he calls out to me, he says, Dad, something's dripping from the ceiling. And I'm like, oh no. So I run upstairs and I get into the bathroom and there's toilet paper and other things floating on the water, it's about an inch thick, my whole bathroom, and I'm like, no, no! And it's just overflowing, the toilet's just going and going. So I'm like splash, splash, splashing, and, and I'm trying to, I want to turn off the toilet, and it's super convenient where they put the shut off things. Kind of, so I'm reaching behind the toilet, they're all nasty, and I'm trying to turn this old knob off, and I finally get it off, and I'm like, oh, this is disgusting, and so I go downstairs, and sure enough, it's just pouring out of the ceiling, so I'm like, that's a lot of water. I don't want all my drywall to collapse, um, and so I decide to poke a hole in the, into the seam to drain it so it doesn't come out, And so I poke a hole, and sure enough, it's starting to drain. And I'm like, well, it's not draining fast enough, so I want to do another one. But I couldn't really see because it was kind of dark. in there. so I'm like, Caleb, can you turn on the light, please? Well, it wasn't electricity that got me. It was, I forgot that the light switch was attached to the fan. So it starts going. (laughs) And I'm like, turn it off, turn it off. Water's going in my mouth and my face and everything, and I'm trying. I run to the kitchen, I'm spraying myself down, I'm dry heaving. It was disgusting. Disgusting. That's overflowing. (laughs) Point is, when something overflows, it just keeps coming and coming and coming and you can't stop it. Well, that's what God's loyal love is like. That's what God's faithfulness is like. It isn't portioned. It isn't limited. It overflows. We don't have to say, hey, it's the first of the month, hurry up and get some of God's loyal love before it runs out. And see if you can get some of his faithfulness too because it's usually gone by the 15th. No, it's overflowing. There isn't a shutoff valve. It just keeps pouring out. That is our God, amen? All right, look at that verse there and let's go back to that word, Compassionate. Our series is on God's compassion, so let's look at that word real quick. Our God is a compassionate God. Now, God's compassion isn't just a noun, it's also a verb. We're going to see that God's compassion is action in our life. We're gonna see that his compassion moves in our life with power and it changes our life when we experience that powerful action and we're gonna see that, okay, that's gonna be this series. God's great compassion moves him into action to care for his creation. Now, I wanna show you something pretty awesome when it comes to this word compassion. The noun version of the Hebrew word for compassion is rahamim, okay? The K is silent, so you just say rahamim. Everybody say that, rahamim. Rahamim. Very good. That is the noun part of compassion. Now, the verb part of compassion is rahum, okay? Everybody say that. Rahum, okay, the K is silent there as well. That's the the verb form of compassion, okay? Um, So rahamim, say it. Rahum. Rahum. Very good. I think you guys are fluent in Hebrew now. You're good to go. (laughs) Now here's what's cool. Both of those words, rahamim and rahum, are related to the Hebrew word for guess what? Womb. The Hebrew word for womb is rahem. Everybody say that. Rahem. Now think about that. The word for compassion and womb are linked together. And why wouldn't they be, right? I mean, that is where the strongest connection of compassion and love are bonded between the mother and her baby. In the womb. Now, honestly, we men have no idea about this. We can't grasp this. We've never experienced this. So it's something that we need to kind of learn, if you will. It needs to be told to us. But if you're a mother, I don't need to explain this. No words are necessary. You've experienced this compassion firsthand. I remember Shauna telling me when she was pregnant that that little life that was inside of her, even though she'd never met that child, she'd never seen this child, she was madly in love with it. The compassion and love she had for her baby in her womb was beyond words. And the womb is where that compassion and love is grown and fostered. When the baby is born, the connection between a mother and her child is already established. It's stronger than ever. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, we fathers love our children when they're born, but it's the first time we've met them. It's the first time we feel them move in our arms. We're starting that connection of love with them. Not so with a woman. It starts in the womb. I mean, I clearly noticed that Shauna had a connection to our children that I did not have. There wasn't anything she wouldn't do for her children. When that little newborn baby would cry at night, I'd be like, whoa, would you please shut up? (laughs) Shauna would instantly pop up and try to nurture it. She was nurturing, she was caring, she was protecting, she loved and comforted, you name it. It all flowed of that compassion to her child, and that began in her womb. Now that's why we have the term mama bear. Nothing comes between a mom and her child. They will give their life for their child. I remember the first time I encountered that with Shauna, and I think I've told this story before, but Alex, our daughter, was just born, and uh, we lived in Dowsman in a duplex there, and we had this little bouncy seat. You know, back in our day, bouncy seats were like thump, 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 you, you know, it wasn't much to it. This one was souped up, and it had like you could put a D-sized battery in, and it would go and it would kind of vibrate and make her go to sleep. So she loved that thing, so I decided, we were getting ready to eat supper, and I'm like, hey honey, let's put her up on the table so we can look at her while we're eating. And she's like, I don't think that's a good idea, honey. I'm like, it's a good idea, let's put her up there, that way we, (laughs) so we put her up there, and we're eating, it's all, and pretty soon it's like, it's starting to vibrate itself, well I'm not paying attention, she's not paying attention, and all of a sudden, it falls off the thing. I grab the baby and I catch it right before it hits the ground and I'm feeling like a hero here. Okay, I'm feeling pretty good that I caught our baby. My baby starts screaming bloody murder. My wife gets up and she's like, give her to me. And I'm like, honey, she's fine. She's fine. She's like, give her to me. And I'm like, she's fine. She's, she didn't hit the ground. She's fine. She's like, her voice kicked into this. Give her to me. And I was like, Holy smokes. It scared the snot out of me. It's the first time that I kind of noticed that whole thing between a mother and a child. That's compassion. God's compassion towards us is the same thing. We need to see that God's compassion is likened to that. His love for us is the same as a mother and a child relationship. Look at what it says in Isaiah. It says, can a mother forget the infant at her breast? The the rhetorical question is no. Or walk away from the baby that she bore? The rhetorical question is no. But then it says, but even if a mother forgets, I'd never forget you. Never. That is how our God feels about us, Whitestone. It's time we step out of our prisons and soak up the compassion of our God. Our God is a compassionate God. He is a gracious God. He is slow to anger. He's overflowing in loyal love and faithfulness. It is high time that we as his children step out of our prisons, step away from our regrets, step away from our past mistakes, step away from our past poor decisions that have wrapped chains around our neck, and let's start experiencing the compassion of our God in everyday life, amen? That's my prayer for this whole series. That's what I want to happen to us. And I pray that you make it your prayer. I'm gonna pray in a few seconds here, but when I'm done praying, there's gonna be some people standing up here on either side that are willing to pray for anyone who needs to be prayed for. And I would encourage you, if you are one of those people who struggle with prison thinking, who find themselves living in a prison cell, looking out the window, thinking you don't deserve God's compassion, then I would highly encourage you to come forward and ask these people to pray over and to pray for you, that God would grab hold of your hand in these next weeks and that he might walk you out of your prison cell to be able to experience his compassionate embrace. God wants to do that for you. And if that's you, I'd encourage you to come forward after at the end and ask for a prayer, and you can do that when I'm done. Let me just pray real quick for all of us. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you are this kind of God. God, thank you for being a compassionate God. Thank you for loving us like a mother loves her, her child. Thank you for being gracious to us. Thank you for pouring out your favor on us even when we don't deserve it. And God, thank you for being slow to anger. Because man, you could be super irritated with us if you wanted to be. God, thank you for your loyal love that even though we treat you terribly, even though we continue to make mistakes, you just loyally love us. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you are reliable. We can count on you. And thank you that all of this is overflowing. It never ends. There's no shutoff valve. Thank you for being that kind of God. We love you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. I love you, Whitestone, very, very much. If any of you would like to be prayed for, please come up here and they will do so.